The Jet Set Breakfast with Michelle Constant. So last week I thought I'd settle down with a book on Saturday afternoon. So I opened the new South African author Lauren Bukas' new novel, latest novel, Afterland, and got started. By the end of the day, I had finished the book. I could not put it down. And, of course, we know that Lauren Bukas is one of South Africa's premier writers on the dystopian and the post-apocalyptic. So what do we mean by dystopian? We talk about government control, environmental destruction, technological control, survival, loss of individualism. And I'd like to add to that fear and loneliness. And that sounds so much like the world that we're going through. On the line with us, we have Lauren Bukas. Thank you so much for joining us, Lauren. Thanks so much, Michelle. So, Lauren, we read your book Afterland, and um, your books are always close to the real, and I suppose that's what makes for a good dystopian writing. And I'm thinking of, um, I'm thinking of Zoo, uh, Zoo, um, Zoo City, Zoo City, also Shining Girls. But we get to Afterland, and in it, you describe a world that has been ravaged by a pandemic, the outcome of which is that we are left with a world in which only women survive. And I have to say, this book took you five years to write, and you nailed it before COVID-19. It must have left you feeling rather odd that this was reality that was happening and not some poisonous thread from your imagination. It's been very strange and dislocating to like emerge from years of writing a fictional pandemic into a real one. It yeah. did make me super paranoid in the beginning, and I've been like pro-mask from like day one. But, yeah, it's, it's been quite harrowing, actually. And there are things I didn't think about, like how terrible it would be not to be able to see your friends or hug your friends. Sure. So, so actually, you, you needed the real pandemic to just be able to add. You might have to do a reversion. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I'd like to spend less time on that. Although but, I have to point out that it is a post-pandemic novel. It's really, you know, what happens afterwards. Yeah. You know, at one point you write... Um, out-of-hand sanitizer, which I thought was way too close to home in terms of the novel that you have written. And I started to think about the idea. There's a theory called the Uncanny Valley. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. So the Uncanny Valley, for those of us who don't know, is really, it's it's a theory which was started by a Japanese scientist, which, which really talks to the idea that the closer you get to artificial intelligence looking and behaving like humans, the more uncomfortable we become. And I started to think that your books in many ways were like the Uncanny Valley because the closer you bring it to normal life, the more dystopic it actually becomes and the more distressing it actually becomes. And I wondered if that was something that you were you know, obviously focusing on. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly use kind of these high concepts like a, a global pandemic that kills all the men or people with prostates um, as a way of kind of exploring what a world of women would actually look like and how it wouldn't necessarily be a gentler place. Uh, it wouldn't all be like making communal gardens and friendship <laughs> bracelets. Um, because uh, shock, women are people too, and just as power hungry and, you know, corrupt and you have a huge potential for evil as well as good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like to use my fiction as a, a distorting mirror, and I like it to be very close to home. And I, and I am trying to talk about things that we're dealing with in the real world, uh, whether that's the way we sexualize teen girls. In this case, you know, Miles, the boy on the run, is being sexualized and treated as a reproductive resource. So it's kind of flipping the narrative on that as a way of making us think about it. Um, yeah. 
You mentioned the fact that uh, women are uh, on their own are just as difficult, perhaps potentially, as men. And I love something that I read uh, somewhere where you spoke about the character of Billy, who is the mm-hmm. antagonist, and she she really is a piece of work. Like the fact that she is someone's <laughs> sister is just so disconcerting. It must have given you great, uh, I suppose, in many ways, great pleasure to also write a character like that. Yeah, and um, look, Billy was hella fun. Um, and initially, I was trying to make the bad guy a man. You know, it's originally a baby daddy who also has a genetic variance, which makes him immune to the virus. Uh, and then it was going to be the dumb brother, but it just didn't work. And Billy is so canny and so vicious and so self-centered. You know, she's a proper narcissist who turns the narrative back towards her and how she's being hard done by and how could I just do this to her? Um, but she was very fun to write. I think it was really fun just to like, be so certain. Billy lives in this world of certainty where everyone is like out to get her and being awful to her um, and doesn't have to consider the moral complexities. And you know what? That was quite liberating to write. <laughs> I think we'd all be liberated by that as well. I so, know. So let's just... Okay, l- ignorance and stupidity. Yeah, exactly. Afterland. Okay, it's a world, as we mentioned, it's ravaged by a pandemic. It is post the pandemic. And we are the outcome of which we're left in a world in which only women survive. And yet you have an archetypal plot. I mean, the trope of the mother and child in dystopic writing is the mother who, or the mother or the father, let's not just say the mother, but the, the parent who must protect his or her child. They must escape, take their child from evil to sanctuary. I mean, we've seen it in Cormac McCarthy's The Road. We've seen it in Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale. Even if we look at Linda Hamilton in The Terminator many years ago, mm-hmm. it's, this is a, it's, it's, it's a, archetypal to who we are, the protection of the parent and the child. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I think that's kind of, you know, it is very much a book about motherhood, and the original title mm. was actually Motherland. Motherland, yeah. Um, and, you know, I kind of wanted to write into that experience and, and my own experience. You know, my, my daughter is now 11, um, which I think is partly why it took me so long to write, because writing about a seven-year-old kid just didn't make sense in this particular for this novel. Um, But yeah, I wanted to explore what motherhood is and what it means. um, And the sacrifices like Cole is willing to go through to try and protect Miles and and also how difficult it is yeah. that you're, you're, you know, I think at one point she refers to parenting as the worst game of improv ever. Yes, yeah. Um, And and she makes terrible mistakes and she, she doesn't, you know... She, she's not on the right path all the time. She's really figuring it out as she goes along. And, of course, her husband has died, like all the other men. She she really has to... She's on her own. And she's isolated. She's stuck in America. She's originally from Johannesburg. She doesn't have her friend's support network. She doesn't have her family. Um, and it's so much about, like, trying to get her son to a place where he'd be treated like a full human being instead of, you know, this reproductive resource, this kind of government resource, the sex object or, you know, somebody's replacement son for all the people who've lost their own. Lauren, do you, um, in, in retrospect, having written this book, and what, the reason to change the title from Afterland, it was originally Motherland, what was that decision? Uh, it was a very boring one about from marketing. Uh, oh. There was already, there's a British TV show called Motherland. Yeah. So that, it felt like that would be a conflict of interest. 
um, if, if this ever gets turned into a TV series or a movie. So, yeah, there's nothing very sexy or exciting about that. Although, ironic, there is something very interesting about choosing a name like Afterland, which is quite, in itself, quite disturbing. Definitely. You know, but I think it's also, you know, I think Afterland works well because it speaks to, you know, it's, it's after the pandemic, it's after what has happened, it's after the death of her husband. Um, and I think there's something optimistic there as well, because there is, yeah. it, it's looking to what comes after. And that's something I've been very inspired by with our own pandemic, yeah. Um, as much as you can be, is is looking to how we might be able to, this might be our, our opportunity to remake the world, to really consider climate change much more seriously, to um, explore ideas like universal basic income. I've been inspired by the way community action networks across Gauteng and the Western Cape have come together and kind of melded communities between the richest suburbs and the townships, um, where there's an exchange of ideas and ways to help. And you know, I think I think the idea of an afterland speaks to the fact that there is an after, and yeah. that we can do something towards that, and we can hope and we can fight, which of course is what Cole is doing throughout the throughout the entire novel. Do you think that there's um with that in mind, um, and having now seen a pandemic in the flesh and in the mask, so to speak, yeah. um, do you think that it might then change the way you write uh, the next novel that you do write? Well, I'm I'm start, I've started on my new novel now, and it's difficult because I mean, you know, some of the some of the studies now are talking about how this pandemic could play out for the next three to five years. Yeah, they're saying it's so going to become endemic. Is everyone wearing masks all the time? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's really I think it's difficult to like for any fiction writer at the moment to like try and imagine what yeah. could come next and how to write into that. Yeah. Um, I think also the idea of, as you say, not being able to hug, not being able to uh, I know. feel the loneliness. Actually, yeah, the loneliness is terrible. I'm an extroverted writer, um, yeah. which I don't think is that rare. But I've been I've been dying. You know, this hasn't been like this wonderful time to retreat into my into my ivory tower and write my novel. It's been awful, and I know it's been awful for all of us. And I just want to put that out there as well. There's so many people putting pressure on themselves that now is the time to launch their business. <laughs> now is the time to write yeah. their great novel. Now is the time to look after yourself and your loved ones, and to realize that we're all in like mourning. For the yeah, lives that we used to have exactly. and the way the world used to be. And it's okay to like just be able to focus on that. Yeah. So I, I do want to ask you, um, if we look at what dystopia is and what uh, it purportedly is, I mean, if you read up in that kind of thing, and, and essentially your books are that, it does then, of course, add to the idea of loneliness. Um, and it does then add to the idea of fear as well. So... They are so simply similar, are they not? I think so, but I think that's also, I, you know, I don't think of my novels as being dystopic. I think that they are very centered on the real world, which might mean that, you know, that's my view of the real world. But we do live in an incredibly unequal society in South Africa and globally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I think that the level of pain and suffering in the world right now is dystopian. Um, the fact that Kanye West is running for president is certainly not something that I would have <laughs> thought of to put in my book. <laughs> um, and that's just wild and dystopian. But I yeah. think, you know, I think that's what I try to do with my books as well, is that it's about the humanity in those extreme circumstances. It's about the warmth, it's about love, it's about having hope. And even though some of the characters are cynical and like, you know, have this biting wit, I think there's a lot of 
there's a lot of humor and there's a lot of kind of humanism and optimism in my yeah. work as well, I'd like to think. I also like the fact that, um, and you talk about the humanism, is that you're able to create really different identities by the fact that you write from different protagonists' point of view. So you write from the young boy, Miles's perception, but he's also called Myla because he's having to pretend to be a girl in a world where um, men and boys are... I don't want to say jailed, but like in many ways they just studied and they become science objects. You write about his mother's point of view, from his mother's point of view, Cole. And brilliantly you write um, from her, her sister, Billy's point of view as well, which is a completely different point of view again. And it does add a warmth and a humanity. So you, you've, you've, you've nailed that actually. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Lauren, I want um, I asked uh, our producer to ask you to read a little section from the book. Yeah, I'm going to skip the airport scene where everyone's run out of hand sanitizer. Um, but I'll pick up from where, uh, because, yeah, I think that's just too close to home. <laughs> um, but it's from Chapter 5, Wicked Thing. Cole knows they should have been further along by now. The paranoia will slow you down when you're avoiding the highways and the possibility of police checkpoints. Dogs can sniff out gender. Cops get annoyed when you can't show them proper ID. There's probably an APB out on them. Murderer. Drug smuggler. Boy trafficker. Wanted felon. Bad mother. Bad mother is the worst thing you can possibly be. That's it. Beautiful. Lauren Birkus, I want to say thank you for... uh keeping me completely obsessed last Saturday afternoon. I thought I'll just read a few lines and uh, then go and do other things. And I could not put it down. So thank you very thank much you. for that. It was a wonderful read. Thanks so much, Michelle. Lauren Bierkes, she's an award-winning, internationally best-selling South African author. We know her book for The Shining Girls, also Zoo City, and now, of course, Afterland, which is all about post-pandemic. It's a world where men have died from the pandemic and a mother and her child must escape a series of villains, if one wants to call them that. Simply wonderful reading. Look it up. Go get it. Uh, you can find it at exclusive books. You can find it at other bookshops as well. And uh, if you feel like something to read, I mean, there are moments where you feel like, oh, because it feels so close to home. But it really is a great read.